hands of time or hit rewind Power's in the hands, it's in the mind Can turn the hands of time or hit rewind If you need it to the land, you rasa If you grew up in the valley, you rasa Light skin, dark skin, you rasa All my hit, they tune in to rasa Stand, if you need it to the land, you rasa If you grew up in the valley, you rasa Light skin, dark skin, you rasa All my hit, they tune in to rasa Stand, podcast YouTube officially. What's up, everybody? Uh, season two, episode one, finally here. And we got our very first guest, Alex Sendejas, uh, my brother, obviously. Uh, he currently lives in uh, Las Vegas, Nevada. Uh, and he's uh, been placing bets since 2009. And he's been working in a sports betting industry in one shape or form since 2014. So he's going to be talking about his experience on betting, you know, with sports. Uh, you might be thinking, what the hell does this have to do with Rasa? What does this have to do with all the stuff we've been talking about? Trust me, it is connected, right? So uh, without further ado, I introduce to you our guest, Alex Nehas, a.k.a. 725. Let us know who you are, man. Well, first of all, I'm just, I'm glad to be on the Rasa Stand podcast. I know you guys already did uh, your first season. And you guys have been doing the lives. Uh, you know, obviously there's no uh, there's no instruction manual on how to uh, how to achieve success when you go on your own. You know, there, there, there's no like path that you just decide, hey, I'm, let me copy what this guy did because it's not like a college like like a college career where you know the steps that you have to take. So you guys are basically you guys are basically taking a risk by. Uh, using uh, what I consider the most important currency, uh, time. You guys are putting in time into, uh, into this project that you guys are working on. So, you know, to me, everything is betting. You know, everything is betting. And uh, the most important currency we have is, is time because you can only use it once. You know, you don't recover mm -hmm. it. You can't recover time. So you guys are putting in the time now, hoping that there's going to be fruition, you know, down the road. And like I said, there's no instruction manual into uh, how to get to the, the level of success that you want to achieve, because obviously you're not doing this fun. You know, it might be for fun, but there's always a point to everything. You know, there's always a point to why you do what you do. And uh, so, I, I, you know, that's how we're as far as me. Yeah, I, I am his older brother. Uh, I've been out here for seven years now. Uh, I graduated from college but I only got my AA degree in Chicano studies. I was going to transfer to CSUN and that's when I decided that I was just going to bet on myself and uh, just take a different route. Not necessarily, uh, not, not go the traditional route. You know, when you're a kid, they tell you, Hey, uh, go to school, get good grades. And then uh, eventually, you know, you're going to get a high school diploma then you're going to go to college and you're going to get a bachelor's and then you're going to get a good job and then you're going to support a family and hopefully own a home and then you're going to retire and that's that. But I don't know, like it just to me, it just it then it seemed too boring. You know, it just it never it never felt 
like it felt like it was like systematic, you know, kind of like mm. why why do we have to go that route? You know, like and I feel like anybody that's ever achieved anything, any any type of success, you know, they, they've had to take a risk, you know, whether it was the pilgrims leaving England, whether it was mm. whether it was even Cortez leaving Spain. You know, whether it was uh, the guys that were here and moved out west and, you know, they they found the gold in California. You know, a- anybody that's ever done anything, you know, they've had a, they've had to take a risk, you know. But uh, as far as me, yeah, I mean, I was born and raised in Pacoima. Uh, you know, I still go back and forth whenever I have the time. You know, I, I, I love going back home because it's just a reminder of, you know, where you're from. Uh and then, uh, yeah, I've been involved in sports betting since 2009. Uh, back then, I was placing $5 bets, breaking guitars when I would lose. You know, <laughs> you know it was, uh, and, you know, it, you, you start, you know, you start risking a little more when, once you start getting the hang of it. Still got a long way to go to achieve what we're trying to achieve. Uh, Flo here is a part of, of a team that we designed uh, a couple years back. And uh, now we're, we've been able to grow it to uh, three different teams. Uh, hopefully this football season, uh, you know, we get closer to what we're trying to get. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I identify myself as a Chicano, uh, not necessarily because I'm Mexican-American, but because, like, living out here has been a different experience for me in the sense that I'm not predominantly surrounded by, by raza, you know? Like, even in my neighborhood, I, I think – I think me and my girl are probably like the only uh, Mex- Mexicans or Mexican-Americans that live in this neighborhood, that at least in the, uh, the apartment complex. So it, it's, it's been a different, it's been like a culture shock in a way, because in Pacoima, obviously, you know, you're surrounded by Latinos, whether they be mm-hmm. Mexicans or Central Americans. And then you come to realize that you're not really, you know, like when you go to Mexico, you're not really fully accepted over there. Mm-hmm you know, because you're not Mexican enough. And now here, even though we joke around, you know, with some of the guys that I know that are Caucasian, you know, even though they're jokes, you know, I'm not American enough, you know, because I don't, I don't partake in golf. I don't know the golf rules. I don't like tennis. You know, I I went out golfing with one of the guys and I I had no idea what I was doing, you know, and you know, it's just, you know, everybody has their own thing going. So when I say that I'm Chicano, it's not because of Mexican American. I'm kind of, I kind of feel like I'm like the border, you know, I'm not from here. I'm not from there. I'm from fucking nowhere. I'm from the fence, you know, and uh, <laughs> it's like no man's land, you know, it's right there, <laughs> you know? So that's the way I identify myself nowadays. You know, you got Chicano, what is it? Chicanx? Is that what they call it? Yeah. You know, you, yeah. You've got that term. Uh, yeah. But that, you know, that's pretty much my background. Brown, you got some questions? Yeah, man. Uh, when was your first taste of that gambling? Uh, my first taste was uh, when I was living in Pacoima. Uh, I placed uh, it was an it was an online bet with the uh, with some Costa Ricans. They're still in, they're still they're still in business. Uh, they're they're banned in the United States because uh, obviously they're not paying taxes. You know, taking action mm-hmm. over there, but. You know, Las Vegas, Las Vegas gets the reputation of being the capital of sports betting, but in reality, Costa Rica is where it's at. You know, mm. that that's really where it's at. 
uh, I didn't have any access. I mean, I guess I could have driven to Las Vegas and I, I, we did it a couple of times where we would drive out here in my black navigator, just place a couple bets and then go back home. And uh, <laughs> I never won anything, but we would do it. But as far as like betting, it was back in 2009. I just randomly looked up on Google if there were ever, if there were any sites that would take bets. And I found some guys in Costa Rica that were willing to take action. So uh, I started sending money to them through Western Union. It was a weird process, but that's how it started. Uh, like you never, okay, it's like as a kid, I was really into sports, right? I was really into like football and stuff, right? Like Cowboys and all that. Um, that was when the golden, I mean, for, you know, like Troy Aikman was, you know what I mean, was was the big deal and Emmitt Smith and all Michael that. Michael Irvin. Michael Irvin. Irvin, Deion Sanders, all of that was good, man. And uh, I remember that I really wanted to bet stuff. Like I, I, I was so, so confident that 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 my boys were gonna win. You know that I wanted to bet, right? But then there was this voice behind my head that was telling me, and that was actually my my pop's voice. You know, my dad's voice telling me that basically he. He would always tell me about certain things, like especially with with, with gambling, with playing bets. That uh -huh. nah, simple part of them, or simple part of them, or we all lose. Like why even attempt it? We're gonna yeah, you're gonna we're gonna lose. We're gonna lose. So that voice of him not wanting to take risks in life was always in the back of my head. Did anything like that ever happen to you? Oh yeah, I mean, uh, <clears throat> actually, my my first bet was in middle school. I, I won twenty bucks. But yeah, every time I would um, I would tell my dad, "Hey, do me a favor. Can you drive me to Las Vegas? I want to bet this game." <laughs> and, and, you know, this is when I'm like 19 years old, you know. So legally, I can't play. I can't place a bet. Yeah. You know? yeah. And I'm, you know, I'm working, living at home. So I'm like, well, I have all this money while I'm working at Target. You know, why, why don't I try to grow it? You know, like I, I feel like this team's gonna win. And then he'd be like, "Well, what are you nuts? Like." Why would I drive all the way over there? And then most likely you're going to lose, you know, casinos are built by losers, which is true. And uh, yeah, it was something that was frowned upon at home. I mean, I, no one really, it, no one, no one was really encouraging me to, uh, to bet games, whether it be for fun and, and much mm -hmm. less, much less when I said, Hey, I'm quitting the uh, post office job. I'm going to Las Vegas and I'm going to be a, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to take a, uh, dive into the sports betting industry with really no clue what I'm doing. Wow. Yeah. So That's he crazy. mentioned, so he mentioned a big thing and, and uh, you know, that I wanted to bring up is risk, you know, within our culture and, and you just brought it up around. I mean, you said that you wanted to bet, but that voice behind your head was your dad telling you, you know what, we're always going to lose, you know, like it seems like our people, you know, like we, we sometimes don't want to take a risk because we're afraid of all the, negative things that can happen. And, and, you know, like, I think that holds us back as a mm -hmm. NASA because, I mean, if you look at a, you know, white culture or, you know, Europeans really, I mean, like you said, they took that risk. You know what I mean? A lot of these fools left the ocean, you know what I mean? They crossed the ocean and they fucking left and, 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 and uh, you know, did some things that, that were fucked up at the end of the day, but they still took, they risked their lives. You know what I mean? They came into, to, when they invaded the Maya, I mean, the Maya were living in the jungle. 
I mean, you could have been fucking. I mean, lucky for them. Yeah. Lucky for them, the Mayans weren't weren't uh, uh, an aggressive people to just kill yeah. off. You know what I mean? They yeah. they were gen- gentiles. They were they call them gentiles. You know, like they were basically yeah. like, you know, not people like that. So so I mean, they took a risk because they yeah. they could have gotten wiped out just in the entrance of the fucking out. Uh, you know. <laughs> yeah. So so I mean, why do you think that that is? the issue that you know that i think it's an issue in our in our culture why don't we do that you know as a rasa like why why do we why are we afraid to take risks alex well, well here's the thing <clears throat> when you talk about your pops you know the irony about when our parents you know try to keep us away from risky situations is that this advice is coming from the people that left their home country border yep you know <laughs> like <clears throat> it's like if you have a kid i don't have any children at the moment well, let's say you guys, you know, you guys have kids. If you guys, if your kids tell you, hey, hey, dad, I'm heading to Canada at 17 years old. I'm looking for a better life. I'm going to Canada. You're going to be like, what, what are you, nuts? You know, like, well, you're not going anywhere. Nah, yeah. I wouldn't say would you be nuts. I mean, are you nuts? I'll be like, what? Are you nuts, eh? <laughs> <laughs> That's true. You would say that. Are you nuts, eh? <laughs> But, but, you know, it's funny that, you know, our, I mean, when I look at, when I look at Rasa, when I talk about risk, you know, I I remember being in high school and, you know, everybody's applying for college, you know, senior year, everybody's asking each Mm -hmm. other, hey, where are you going to apply? Where are you going to apply? I never applied anywhere because I never wanted to go originally. Mm -hmm. I had no idea what I wanted to do with myself. Uh, Being the first, uh, what is it, high school graduate in the entire side of my mom's family. So mm. I, I had no clue, you know, it was like, no one's telling me this is where you applied on that stuff. I, I didn't even look into it. I saw my counselor maybe once a year just for my schedule. So no guidance whatsoever. So I've always felt like I had to create my own path, you know, just because the lack of guidance. But as far as, um, as far as Rasa is concerned and uh, taking risks, like I was saying back in college, I, I do remember most of the, uh, most of the seniors that, you know, they would tell, they would tell me like, Oh, well, I'm going to CSUN, you know, like I'm going to apply a CSUN uh, or I'm going to mission college or I'm going to peers. And I, and I think to me, that's the problem. Like for some reason, I don't know if it's the Mexican American second generation, but we're just not willing to go out there. You know, like we're not willing to put ourselves like, why not apply at UCLA? Why not apply at Stanford? You know, why not apply, you know, to the, even in Arizona, like just some different, you know, like, like everybody wants to follow the herd, you know, like everybody, mm. and it's kind of like betting. Like everybody wants to bet the same team, you know, like if, yeah. it's like, oh, well, the, you know, the Lakers are good. So everybody's betting the Lakers and then the Suns beat them. You know? hey, but trip out on this though, trip out on this. My dad would preach that, right? Not to take risks. Uh-huh. <laughs> this coming from parents that would religiously buy lottery tickets and put them in front of candle of La Virgen and <laughs> basically <laughs> basically pray to be be able to you know win the lottery, bro. Ain't that some shit to win? Yeah, ain't yeah. that some shit? like that's why like traditional Mexican you know, people in general, traditional Mexican people, I don't get them, bro. I don't not, they preach something and they do totally something that throws you off. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, 
Well, you know how most people are. I think in nature, I think most people just tend to be, uh, what is that saying? When they say, uh, uh, say, what is it? Say as I, say as I. Oh yeah. Do as I do, do as, as I say, say, not as I do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I think most people are just like that, you know, in general, but you know, as far as, uh, Rasa not willing to take risks. I mean, obviously, I'm not speaking for everybody. You know, mm-hmm. I, I have a cousin that, you know, he used to work at AutoZone and, you know, he had no clue about construction. And then opportunity came up, I think somewhere like in the Bay Area. And he has, you know, he had no family up there, you know, besides an acquaintance. And uh, he took it and, you know, his life mm. improved dramatically, you know, and, and it's not just financially. I mean, it's something that, you got to think like, you know, one day you're going to be dead, you know, and, mm-hmm. and you're going to have to leave some sort of a legacy. Like, you know, what, what, what did you do with your time here? You know, and if you stick around doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results, you know, that's the definition mm-hmm. of insanity. You know, it goes back to Einstein. That's the definition of insanity. And, and, and I think with us, like our culture, the reason that I think we don't like risk is because hard work is ingrained in our brain, you know, mm-hmm. Like we're taught, like, ponte a trabajar y ahorra tu dinero. You know, like, play it safe. Play it safe. Mm. You know, work the overtime and save that money. You know, you never know what could happen. It's always like a, a negative mindset. Like, like something bad has to happen. So you have to be ready. Like, I, I mean, I'm not saying don't do that. You obviously have to save money. You know, there, there yeah. has to be, you have to show what, why you're working. You know, you can't just be splurging on yourself. Yeah. But um, I think that's where it comes from. I think it comes from the fact that, you know, we, we preach hard work and we preach save your money. That we're not willing to, you know, take a little bit out and be like, let's see what I can do with this. You know, but at the end of the day, are we just going to work for money? Why can't money work for you? You know, mm. you know and, and that's the only way you're going to, you know, you're going to improve whatever. You don't have to be rich, you know, mm-hmm. you, you don't, but you can't improve you know, your, your, your situation, if you're willing to take risk and they have to be obviously educated risks, you know, you can't just be like, Hey, today I'm going to get on Robin hood and I'm going to start buying stocks. I don't know anything about the stock market, you know, what happened to me, <laughs> you know, so you, you gotta, you gotta understand where you're going into, you gotta understand why you're doing it. And you have to be willing to take, you know, to take the hit when it doesn't work out in your favor. And I, I think our culture is just so wired to work hard, save money and then do it again because that's the right that's the safe play you're guaranteed you're not gonna lose you know i mean a lot of the millionaires that we hear about you know especially there's a, a guy i don't know if you remember the brand fubu fubu like fubu yeah, where? I, remember, I remember the brand the dude uh damon john he's a creator of fubu and i read his book his bio he said that in the beginning he lost like almost like Hundred almost two hundred dollars in the beginning. Can you believe that shit? Like, so I mean, as a as a Chicano, as a Mexican, bro, that would, that would like your fucking family would disown disown you if you fucking like <laughs> lost that much money, bro. You know what I mean? But these are people that still continued on that path because they believe in themselves, bro. They 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 put us put aside all these all these thoughts that whatever people were saying, nah, man, you just you keep on fucking losing money. Why are you sticking with it? You know what I mean? So this is people that are taking risks and not, not no matter. I think that that's what we're missing too, bro. We take no and we run with no. 
We're like, okay, no, it didn't turn out right. Maybe it wasn't for me. It wasn't the right time to quit. You know what I mean? I, I agree with that. You know, I, I think that, and, and the other thing too is that we're not very transparent people. You know, like, mm. and, and, I, and I think that goes for anybody. You know, like, I, I think most people, you know, they, they like to talk about, they like to talk about their successes, but they don't like to talk about their failures because it brings shame to them. You know, mm. like, if I get smoked, I get smoked. You know, like I got smoked two weeks ago. You know, I lost like two thousand dollars on the fucking Jazz against the Clippers. You know, so, mm-hmm. you know it, it happens. You know, you get you, when you take chances, you're gonna get smoked, and then there's gonna be times where you're gonna get rewarded. You know, mm-hmm. and, and it's, it's no different than you know. Let's say you choose. You know, like you said, you know the guy, the guy started off, you know, obviously getting smoked. You know, with every reason to quit. Mm-hmm. You know, he still continued and eventually, you know, he got some sort of payoff. Obviously, FUBU is now irrelevant, but it doesn't matter because yeah, when it hit, he he got, you know, the, he got to reap the rewards. And I, I think that the fact that, you know, like you said, if, if, if a Mexican-American or, or a Mexican, you know, comes out and tells his family, hey, I invested, you know, this much money into this and, you know, I, I lost it all, you know, he's going to be frowned upon, you know. He's going to be frowned upon. Of course. And the first thing they're going to say, our culture is just bad at kicking people when they're down. Like, we, we don't <laughs> like, it's like we enjoy it. Like, Dude. I don't know. It, it, it's weird. Like, we enjoy it. Like, that's well, like, true, though. That's you know, like, true. Instead of being like, well, how do we improve this? You know, how, how do we, how do we make this situation better? You know, we're like, oh, look, that fool lost his house. Ha, ha, ha. You know, like, I don't, I don't get it. You know, somebody told me once, like, if you ever put like crabs in the, in a bucket, you know, they like to pull each other down. And, and, and I think that that's how our culture is. Like, we have a lot of, like, I don't know. It's just very, very hating-like. You know, like, we're not very supportive. And that's why Chicano rap hasn't gone anywhere because everybody's everybody's dissing each other all the time. You know, like, you can go back mm-hmm. to Mr. Shadow, Mr. Shadow, Little Rob, you know, the guys now. And it's always the same thing. Like, oh, I'm harder than you. You know, there, it's not <laughs> – it's never, like, how do we collaborate – and make this thing go further than where I can take it by myself. And that's why I enjoy collaboration. You know, like I, I, mm-hmm. I try, I, I try to build. Now, if people don't want to do it, then that's fine. You know, I'm still going to try to yeah. do it on, on my own. It, it does, you know, it's not for everybody, but yeah, like you yeah. said, I mean, you're, you're right about that. Like we're not, we're not very, we frown upon, you know, losing and anybody that wants to take a chance wants to be different from the pack. No doubt. All right, so I know that sports gambling can be very, you know, like has your emotions all riled up because you you never know. I mean, I've obviously done it with you, you know, over the last, what is it now, six years, you know, four years, yeah, something like maybe that. Maybe like four you years. Know, once I stopped doing hip-hop, that's, that was my my next hobby, Brown, was to replace the, the hip-hop, you know. But, okay. I mean, I know that for sure he's definitely more of a risk-taker than I am. Obviously, he left to Vegas, you know, and I'm still in LA and shit, but. Uh, when it comes to sports, I'm like, why would you, why would you do that as opposed to, you know, maybe like starting a business or, you know, or, or why not go to college like everybody else, like you say, you know, or like, what about sports gambling made you want to go, like, what pick that, you know, I guess career or just, you know, choice or whatever, knowing that it could be very, you know, you know, up and down. Uh, well, I mean, you guys watch sports. I'm assuming you guys watch sports, right? Sometimes. I mean, all right. Well, yeah, I mean, the way I looked at it was if I'm going to sit in front of a TV for three hours and I'm going to root for people to win championships and, and they don't even know who I am, I'm just, <laughs> I, I, I'm just, I'm just wasting my time. 
you know? So if I'm going to sit there and watch, because I obviously I enjoy sports. I enjoy playing them. I enjoy watching them. But if I'm going to give my time to the TV and you're going to get money off the ratings and you're going to get money off the sales of your tickets and all that stuff, and I'm going to watch it, I want a piece of the pie too. You know, like I got out you know, it, why should you be the only winners? You know, mm. and, and, so I always find it funny when, when people get upset. You know, they've got no money on the game, even if it's a dollar. You know, they've got no money on the game and they're upset that, you know, their favorite team lost. Well, I mean, they don't even know who you are. You know, it, it's like, you're, if, to me, a person, I mean, there's nothing wrong with being a fan. There's nothing wrong with loving the game just, you know, because you enjoy playing it. But to me, if I'm going to give you my time, there's got to be some sort of a, of a return hmm. because like I said, time is currency. You don't mm-hmm. get it back, you know? So I, I'm not going to watch it like baseball, hockey. I don't watch, I don't bet. You know, I'm not, I'm not going to sit there three hours for a baseball game. Oh, Dodgers <laughs> won the Dodgers won the world series. Who gives a shit? You know, like it didn't affect me. The guys made more money. I'm still nine to five, you know? So I'm golf. I don't, you know, I don't watch the golf, you know, so, <laughs> you know, but it, it's that, and as far as why I picked that, well, like I said, I'm already putting my time into it. I'm already watching it. Why not learn? Why not try to learn how to handicap it? Why not learn how to find an edge and uh, leverage that edge and generate, you know, some sort of profit. I mean, if I'm already putting the time into it, you know, treat it like, uh, I mean, you can treat it like a hobby, or you can, you know, or you can take it serious and, you know, try to find it. I mean, it takes time. You got to look into stats, you know, you got to look into trends, you know, there's a lot of things that come into effect. You, you gotta, you gotta, in a way you kind of have to be a, a psychologist too, because you have to know what, what the public is, is doing with their money. You know, if, if ESPN is talking about a specific team over and over again, odds are the public is going to start backing that team because people are, you know, it's recessing bias. You know, people just, they like to follow, you know, the herd. So, but that's why I picked it. And as far as starting a business, I mean, like I said, I wouldn't know what to start. So why, you know, why invest in, in something that I, I have no clue how to get t-shirts made, you know, hats made. You know, I, I would have to put in the time to learn that process. And then on top of that, I have to put in the money to get it going and hoping there's a return with this. There is no product. You know, the product is my, is my mind. If, if, mm-hmm. if I, you know, if I'm right or if I do enough, re- I mean, everything is 50, 50, you can flip a coin and, and get the game right without doing any research. You well, I will kind of differ on that, bro. I will kind of uh, say that there is a product. The product is your strategy, your strategy that you can implement into some kind of a, some kind of a, a pamphlet, some, something, some kind of something on writing where you can kind of put it out there as a product and, know as an exclusive product like if you want to learn from you mm-hmm. from what your strategies and how you're doing it like how you're looking because like when you when you do what you do you have to look at it at all angles right you mentioned like you're listening to ESPN so you're listening to what they're talking about who are they talking about who are the main players to watch out for and, and who got injured if that got if a certain person got injured then that means that that team might not fully be up to par against this other team, right? So this is all this you got to look into, but someone that's just getting into it, into the whole betting to sports, they they don't know where to start. So 
a guideline would be good. And that's what you can offer, some kind of guideline as to your strategies. Yeah, I, I think you make a good point with that. Um, as far as, uh, yeah, you could turn, you could turn the, uh, the experience, the knowledge into, uh, into a product, you know, and there's people that do that. You know, there's people that sell books on how to bet sports. You know, you know how they have like how, how to fix this for dummies type of thing. Mm, okay. You know, at gambling stores out here, they'll have those books. You know, and again, the reason that it's obviously not as as big is because it, it's only been legal in multiple states, maybe for like the last two, three years. You know, before that, before that, it was just centralized here, unless you were doing it illegally with a bookie on the street or or if you were betting offshore with, you know, with the Costa Ricans or or even in China. But, you know, as far as uh, creating a product, yeah, that, you know, that would be something down the road that. I would probably consider if if I get to reach, you know, uh, <clears throat> a certain amount of of success where you can back it with success. Because you know, there's a lot of people that they sell, they sell strategies, they sell games, they sell picks. Steve Stevens. And you know they're just they're just basically playing the customer. They know there's a lot mm. of people. There's a lot of people that don't know better. So these guys they know this. And just like in any industry, you know, they prey on, on the innocent. And, and that's, you know, that's something that I, I wouldn't want to do that unless I know that I have a resume that says, well, look, you know, this is what has been accomplished. You know, as far as, uh, you know, the, uh, the, either the wins or, or, you know, certain contests they have out here, you know, if you can build up a resume, then, you know, you can have some sort of backing, but yeah, there's a lot of people that prey on, on rookie betters and it's just mm. it's just horrible so that that those people have given that you know created a product uh, uh kind of like a, a black eye because now there's a lot of doubt like oh is your stuff legit or are you just playing me you know yeah i have another question bro uh you know how sometimes you know i mean everything pretty much is, is, is controlled to a certain extent uh, -huh. uh how much of this this uh I wouldn't say hobby, but how much of this profession, because you're, you're, you're making money off of it. How much of this profession do you think is actually rigged? Um, honestly, I think that's a misconception hmm. as far as all uh, games are fixed. You know, a lot, a lot of people say that, but the, the reason they say that is because, you know, the, the point spreads, and, and, you know, the, the, which is, you know, the line for the game, for those that don't understand, it's basically when they say, oh, Lakers are going to win by seven today, according to Vegas, and they end up winning by six. Mm. So then those bets lose, and then these guys start yelling, fix, 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 you know. But, you know, the, the reason that they – what they don't understand is that, you know, these algorithms that are being used to create these odds, you know, they, they have data that, you know, dates back to – I mean, you're talking about – at least 30, 40 years, you know? So it's kind of like this, you know, you have a routine in the morning, right? I assume mm -hmm. if I watch you every day for two months and I log everything you do for two months in the morning, I'm going to be able to predict what you're going to do that third month in the morning at a specific time. What mm -hmm. time are you going to get, what time are you going to get breakfast? You know, eventually I'm going to have it down. You know, it's going to be sharp enough where I'm not going to be on point, but I'll be like at 7.15, this guy likes to brush his teeth. 
you know, and you might do it at 716, you know? So if I watch you long enough, you know, I'll get you down to a T, you know, because everybody, because every, everybody, everybody has a pattern, you know, like people are creatures yeah. of habit. People are creatures of habit. You know, this guy wakes yeah. up at eight, you know, whatever. So, and, and that's what people don't understand. Like when they bet games, like, yeah, this game never happened. It hasn't happened in the past yet, but plenty of games with this particular situation have occurred. Like when the star player gets injured, a lot of people rush to the window. Oh, I want to bet the other team because, you know, LeBron, mm-hmm. LeBron, LeBron is out. LeBron is out. Let me bet the other team. And then the Lakers end up winning, and they're like, how is that possible? LeBron was out. The game is fixed, blah, blah, blah. No, the, usually that actually happens. When, when the star player goes down that first game, usually the team tends to rally and steps up more knowing that their star guy is out, so they play harder. And then the next game is when you see the, the level of play just come down. Because it, it's all, again, it's a psychological reaction to, oh, shit, our dude went down. We got to step up. So when you see it, you know, when you've seen this happen long enough, you start picking those spots and you just bet those spots. Mm. There's a lot of calculating that goes into it, bro. It's crazy. Yeah, I mean, there's a, there's, a, there's a lot of work that, I mean, there's a lot of angles to it. You know, I still, there's a lot of learning that I have to do. I mean, even now, before this, this call came up, you know, I was working on, on a spreadsheet for like, I don't know, at least two and a half hours. So getting ready wow. for the, you know, getting ready for the NFL season. And we're, you know, we're in July, but, you know, a lot of people, you know, a lot of people think, oh, I'm just going to, you know, my brain's going to pick a winner. Yeah, it can, you know, it can 50, 50 chance, but long, long term, long term, you do it, you know, you do it long enough, you're going to get smoked. I mean, the, the casinos were built by losers. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That so I have, I have, um, I guess like a segue. I mean, obviously this is something you love to do, you know, I'm, so much that you got me into it because I was totally against it when, when he first started doing it, you know, but he convinced me with the math, man. You know, I have a little story to share. I mean, once we went to Vegas, uh, it had nothing to do with sports betting. It had to do with roulette. And he had like this whole math thing, you know, down and shit. And he convinced me, you know, he's really good with that too, with, with convincing you to do something, you know, I am his younger brother too. That's probably why too, it, it helps out. But I remember um, he had this whole thing planned out and then, um, we went and then we fucking lost pretty much all the fucking money, bro. Like, and it was like, it wasn't even like nine o'clock and like we had no money and shit. Uh, and I was so pissed off. I remember I told them, I was like, bro, like you like to fucking gamble and shit. Let's fucking gamble with the lobster and I fucking take off and shit in the middle of the yeah. night. <laughs> you know? Uh, but now nah, like what I wanted to say though, was the segue to, to the next topic. You know, obviously, you know, you're doing this and you love doing it and you see it as a way to, to make money and to make a living. Right. And, you know, obviously a lot of our listeners, you know, a lot of our followers, you know, are stuck on that victim mindset where, you know, hey, you know, we, we can't we can't get up, you know, because the system's against us, you know, like people are racist against us, you know, cops are going to pull us over and we can't do shit. So what are your thoughts on that? Is it more like classism or is it more more racism that we face you know, when it comes to to, to issues like this? Well, as far as. Uh... Making a living off sports betting. I mean, I, I will say I'm making a living off the sports betting industry, but not off of betting sports yet. But I do want to get there eventually. But as far as, you know, the industry is basically paying my bills, uh, booking games and stuff like that. But as far as um, talking about, you know, classism and racism, you know, here's the thing. Like living out here, my eyes were open completely to classism because 
I mean, let me see if I can pull one up. Oh, here, I got one right here. So this right here, you know, this is a player's card, you know. There's different tiers. And the more money you spend, the different color of this changes, you know. You get rewarded for betting. You know, you get free buffets for getting smoked, you know. So, But this right here is the ultimate sign of classism. Because when, when you first start betting, they'll give you the lowest tier, which means you get no shit. You basically get no benefits. Like you'll get a fucking five dollar Starbucks coffee, bet a hundred bucks maybe, if you're, <laughs> you know, if you're lucky enough, you know. But you know, the, the big, the more money you bet, you know, the, the higher, the higher you go up in, in class when it comes to these little cards, the more rewards the casino is willing to give you. You know, they'll give you a suite. You know, they'll give you free steak dinners, you know, so you start seeing it, you start seeing it. And it's like um, when I used to work inside of the casino, you know, because I've had to come up through the industry. When I started at the very bottom, you know, at the minimum wage level, I used to pack $300,000 a night, you know, and I would see it. You know, I've never seen $300,000 in cash prior to this. You know, you hear about it. Oh, this guy, this guy, whatever. But, you know, I would actually see it every night, you know, hundreds everywhere, 20s, you pack them in bags, take them to the cage, blah, blah, blah. And they, so you kind of start looking at money literally as paper because it's every day. You know, it's just a piece of paper. You know, there's no real value to it besides what it can get you as a tool. So as far as classism goes, I, I think the problem with Rasa is that, like I said, when, when I was in Pacoima, I mean, that's all I knew. You know, it was the 818. You know, occasionally I'll drive down to San Diego or Los Angeles, but it's pretty much the same, you know. Landing over here, you know, you start seeing, whoa, shit, like there is rich people, you know, like, and they're in your face. You know, you have to cater to them. You know, you have to cater to them because uh, the manager will tell you, this guy's a whale. This guy spent 100000 a night. We need to take care of him. Treat him with respect, you know. And then you start seeing, well, this guy, he's black. And they're respecting the shit out of him. Well, they're not respecting him. They're respecting his pockets. You know, so, mm-hmm. so at, at the end of the day, it's, you, you start looking at it like through a different, you know, through a different glass here where it's like, you know, I'm thinking this is racism. No, it's not racism. You know, it, it's the only color that matters to society is green. You know, if, if you can walk around with green skin, you know, because you have money, all of a sudden, you know, that's what it does to you. All of a sudden, here, have a seat. Mm. You know, let me escort you out to uh, to your car because we just paid you 200000 and we don't want you to get robbed. And then that same casino will pay a guy 200 bucks. They're not escorting him. You know, it's, they don't mm. care about him. It doesn't matter. So I, I think that, and the reason that Rasa claims, you know, they, they I'm sure ra- racism exists, but I think the reason Rasa claims racism is because when you live in a low tier, low poverty, I mean, poverty area, then everybody is on the same boat. Everybody's poor, you know? So you don't get to see the brown rich guy getting treated better than the brown poor guy. Mm. But because everybody's together, everybody gets treated like shit because everybody's poor, (laughs) you know? So so that's why I, I think it's more classism than it is racism and i and i think uh, and i think that racism for the powers that be is basically the psychological trick to keep us looking at that scope instead of like looking at you know the poor caucasian guy the poor asian guy 
and be like, hey, we got more in common than they say we do. You know, we're like, we're struggling to pay our bills. And, and because we, we don't look at that, we're looking at, oh, no, you guys are border hoppers or this and that. That hatred keeps going and we're not able to unite as a lower class. And I think that's more important than, you know, a, you know, where a lot of people claim brown pride, you know, Black Panthers and stuff like that. Yeah. And it's like that, that's what creates the division, because we're looking at the scope of race as opposed to, hey, are you having a hard time paying your bills? Are you having a hard time? Because at the end of the day, everybody's getting fucked. You know? Yeah. That's crazy. That's a crazy way to look at it, man. See, that's that opens people's minds, bro, into seeing it, seeing it in the way that, like, okay, so when people don't see, see it, I mean, I'm pretty sure that mirrors and stuff like that, you know, think about money, that's all they're, you know, but I'm pretty sure they don't see the act money on the daily. They, they have it in their banks and shit. It's all like numbers, you know what I mean? You know, so it's to see money every day and to, you know, get to the point that you're in, you know, basically you just consider it as paper now, you know, because you're so used to just seeing it all the time. And like, you start thinking all these people that do like, like meaningless jobs here and there and shit, just for a little bit of the cut, you know what I mean? It's fucked up, bro. It's really fucked up at the end of the day that... Some people can figure out, and I'm not saying it's, it's a bad thing. It's a smart thing that some people can figure out uh, a way around the system to get some money and not really kill themselves physically when some people, that that's all they know. That's all they know is to get up in the morning, you know, early, go eat chingarle, you know what I mean? To fucking physically put the effort of make money. But yeah. that's the thing that people don't open their minds to to realize these things. It's crazy. Well, I, I don't I don't know if you've ever looked at this uh, or thought about it. But speaking of classism again, uh, like you said, paper money. Um, you know, if you look at a, a hundred dollar bill, whether it be a new one or the old one, you know, there's no pyramid on the back of it. You know what I mean? Mm. But when you look at the dollar bill, you know, the pyramids in the back. And to me, the way I look at it is like, well, they know who's getting the dollar bill. You know, it, it's it's the lower tier guy. You know what I mean? They're the ones that are handling the dollar bill. So it's kind of like, here's a reminder. You're here to build the pyramid and I'm up here. You're just building it. So here's a little token of appreciation. And, and, and when I hear the term minimum wage, it's like, wait, you know, when I when I hear the term minimum wage, it's, it's kind of like, wait, minimum wage. That sounds like the you, minimum is kind of like, well, this is what I have to give you. If, if I could get away with not giving you shit, I wouldn't. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, <laughs> oh, shit. Wow. I, I, I That's mean, so, crazy. So I, I'm not going to compare it to, obviously, to slavery, but, you know, at the end of the day, minimum wage literally is only because I have to give you something. This is what I'm going to give you. And here's a dollar bill. Yeah. And there's a pyramid in the back. Because remember, you're here to build this company. And I'm here to collect the profits off of this. And, and I think the reason that, you know, I appreciate the company that I'm with is because these guys, you know, when they, you know, when they, when they got me in there, even when I was at the bottom tier level, and like I said, there's no instruction manual on how to, how to move up in this industry. It's just, you just got to hustle your way up there, you know, and, and things have to fall in line, you know, God's grace, you know, things have to fall in line, but, um, you know, the, the, the guy that used to be the owner, he's gone now. Uh, every, every year after the Super Bowl, whenever 
you know, if we generated a certain amount of money for the company, he would reward everybody, you know, across the board. You know, it, whether you were the, the guy that was, you know, just printing out the, the odds every day, which is the lowest skilled job, or the guy that was setting the bets at the casino, and he would come over and shake your hand Super Bowl Sunday, and then come March, you know, he would hand you a, a nice bonus check for helping him, for helping him build his company. And, 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 and it would keep you motivated. It's like, oh, shit, my work actually matters. You know, even though I am here at the very bottom, and obviously, you know, the, the higher you go in, in the in the scale, then, you know, he, you know, he would treat you even better because you're, you're playing a bigger role in, in the success of the company. And I, and I think that's what what's missing in American society now that I, I don't know of enough companies that are willing to share their profits with the guys that are helping them build it. You know, mm. the guy would even offer like uh, stock options. Like if you wanted to own a piece wow. of the company, if you wanted to own a piece of the company, you know, you, you, you could, you, you could, you know, on your paycheck, you could say, Hey, this much for the stock option. And it gives you pride in working for it because it's like, well, I'm building this and I get to reap the benefits if we mm. succeed as opposed to working at fucking Walmart, you know, like here I am. I, I remember working at Target and I got in trouble. Speaking of classism, but the manager came up to me and this oh is when boy. I was, this is when I was a hardcore Chicano, you know, back, you know, I was revolutionary younger. shit, bro. And, uh, you know, you know how they have these, these, you know, these credit cards, but for Target, right? Oh yeah. So I was working there. Uh, it was a summer college time. And, uh, you know, they, they would ask us in, in the, uh, and the orientation, hey, when you guys greet a customer, always introduce the Target red card because we want you guys to promote it so you guys can, uh, you know, get these people to sign up and, you know, it'll bring more business to Target. So I'm like, well, am I going to get anything from that? Like, because, because as far as I know, I apply for cashier. I don't apply for salesman, you know? Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, so, so I'm, here, I'm here to cashier and I'm here to check people out and send them home. That's my job role. So I, I didn't do it for a whole month. I wouldn't do it. And then management came over to my cashier lane, pulled me to the side, and they said, hey, uh, you have zero applications. You have yet to turn in one application. And this is in Burbank. You know, there's a lot of traffic there as far as the customers. And I'm like, yeah, I, I haven't asked anybody on purpose. And they said, well, that doesn't make any sense. You're trying to get fired or what? And I said, no, I mean, you guys are going to collect a lot of interest rates on these things, and I'm not going to see any of them. So what? So why would I? Why would I be motivated to ask? You know what? What? Why would I want to make you? Not even you. You're just get, you're just a tool that's enforcing the rule. You're just a tool that's enforcing the rule so that the guy up there can get his bonus because of the interest rates they're going to collect on these uh, on these purchases that these people obviously can't afford or they mm. wouldn't or they wouldn't use the card. So not you're promoting horrible financial responsibility on people. And you're asking the, the guy at, at the bottom of the totem pole to help you generate more money, and he's not going to get a cut. So a couple of weeks later, I ended up losing my job. Dang. I mean, but, but that's classism at its finest, you know? Yeah. So, so with, that said, a... with that said, I mean, I know that, that uh, obviously that's, that's the bigger issue than racism. I mean, I, you, know, you said it doesn't mean racism doesn't exist you know, at an individual level. But I think that's why a lot of our, our rasa too is, is a socialist, right? Because they see the, the system, oh, it's rigged, you know, like it's made for people to, to be up here. But obviously, you know, 
I know that back in the day, we used to identify with socialism, you know, at least with Che and all that shit, you know, when we were younger. And, you know, because it, at least for me, it gave me like a sense of, okay, well, if this is the one, hold, oh, sorry, the fireworks in the back, you know, there's always fireworks and shit. But uh, yeah, um, at least it gave me like a sense of, okay, well, I can do something about it, right? If I can knock the, the fool on top down, then I, I can, you know, gain something from it. But um, why do you think that uh, you, you stepped away from that mindset too? Like what, what made you think, okay, well, this ain't for me. Like it's never going to work for me. Mm. Uh yeah, because I, I do it. I, uh, me and Flo were kind of like uh, pushing, you know, I, I think part of it was, I'm not going to say it was ingrained in our brain, but it was definitely taught by uh, professors at the, at the, at the colleges, you know, they, they uh, you know, they would talk about it. But uh, as far as why I stepped away from it, I think the reason I stepped away from it was because uh, I felt like it was too much thinking and not enough doing you know, like, we're just thinking about, oh, this is unfair. This is not right. You know, this sucks. You know, why don't I have this? That just sounds like a bunch of questions to me. You know, it's just, it's just, it's just thoughts. Like, what are you going to do about it to improve on whatever you're missing? You know, because obviously everybody can improve. I mean, that's why even Jeff Bezos, I mean, the guy wants to go to space because he apparently he doesn't have enough. And and that's all great. I mean, that. <laughs> That, that's why he's there because he, you know he, he still wants more and I, I think for me it was more like I started looking at the circle of the people that you know were were in agreement with as far as socialism is concerned and um, it was just a bunch of whining and crying you know it's why, why do they have this and we don't have that why don't we all have the same it's easier to say why don't we all have the same when they have it and you don't but when you have it and they don't when you have it and they don't, are you going to say, why don't we have the same? I don't think so. Mm. You know, <laughs> you know it's it, true. That's true. You're, you're, it's, it's always easier when you look at it from this angle than it is from that angle. So, and, and I can tell, like, I'll, I'll tell you now, like, um, it's like, a, if I look at it now, like, let's say, for example, like you guys, I mean, you guys are doing this, you guys, you know, season two, you guys are barely starting. And let's say one day you guys, you know, you guys blow up, you know, you guys, start getting advertisements on YouTube and stuff like that. And then you have this, you know, this punk kid that is mad that you guys are making so much money, but he's only looking at the fact that you guys are already making the money. He's not looking at the road. You know, he's not mm -hmm. looking at the, he's not looking at the journey at the, at the investment of the time. And, and I, and I think that it's, it's easy for us to say, it's not fair. This guy shouldn't have that much when we're just looking at the article that points out he has this much, you know, we're not living his steps as to how he got that much, you know? And that's why I turned away from it because it, it just felt like it was more whining and complaining as opposed to actually being proactive and trying to fix something instead of just complaining about it. Hmm. Now, as for, I mean, this is an, an investment, you know, in your part, just as any other, you know, profession, you're investing time, you're investing effort, you're investing you know, knowledge and, you know, all of that, would you see yourself going into the, uh, like investing in stock market? Because it's just, I mean, to me, it seems like just as a gamble as, as, you know, gambling in sports, right? Uh, during, during quarantine, I, I tried it with a little bit of money, you know, and honestly, I tried it because I missed the action. You know, there's always that, that little itch, 
you know, where as a gambler, every, every gambler has a little itch, you know, kind of like when your parents used to buy the lottery tickets, you know, you do it because you just, that feeling of maybe I'll win, you know? Mm. So that's the only reason I looked into it. And obviously because everything crashed, you know, all the stock prices crashed. So I looked at it from a sports betting angle, like, oh, there's value there, you know? Mm. But the only reason that I couldn't really fully, um, what do you call it, um, capitalize on the, on the position was because I, I didn't know if I was going to lose my job. And, oh, then, okay. and then my girl had lost hers. So at this point, I'm like, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm walking into the office and everybody's getting walked out. You know, everybody's getting walked out. Uh, no one's surviving. And I'm like, well, it's only a matter of time before I'm gone. So at that point, it's like, how much can you really gamble when you don't even know, you know, when this thing, when this whole thing started, no one knew what their position was going to be. You know, people were just grabbing freaking water and toilet paper. You know, that was their concern, survival. So that's the only reason that I didn't get to really fully capitalize from the stock market. But as far as would I go into it now, honestly, I wouldn't do it. Me personally, I wouldn't do it. And I think there's more fixing in that than there is in sports. Are you really? Wow. Yeah. Huh. I, really, I really do. I mean, yeah, you can see it with the cryptocurrency. You can see it with Bitcoin. You, 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 can, see it. you, you, you can see it coming when... You know, how is it possible that a guy goes on Twitter, Elon Musk, and he'll say something about Dogecoin to the moon, and the next day, all his followers will buy Dogecoin, move the stock price up, or, you know, the crypto price up, and then when he dumps it, you know, it just comes down. And, and you can see it in the sports cards market, too. You know, people start hyping up this card, and they'll be like, oh, buy this guy. You know, and just for example, obviously, this, this card is garbage, but, you know, they'll be like, buy this guy. They'll be on YouTube, you know. A bunch of guys with a bunch of followers. It's all, you know, it's rigged. They'll be like, you know, it's like, for example, let's say you guys get, you know, a million followers one day, right? And you guys are uh, heavily invested in producing these things, okay? And you guys start pump, you guys start promoting it, knowing that you have that following, knowing you have that many people listening to you and you have an influence over them. So they're going to rush. They're, you know, they're going to go buy the stuff. You guys... Let's say you guys bought it before the rush because, you know, that's why you would promote it. So you bought mm -hmm. it for a better example. Let's say you guys own 50 of these cards, right? You own 50 of these cards. You guys bought them at $5 a pop. You guys have this big following. You start telling people, hey, buy this, buy this. So there's going to be a rush. There's going to be a demand for this particular card. And it's going to drive its price up because of the demand. And because you guys already had them, and you guys are pumping them, you guys are pumping them, then when the demand is at its peak, you guys are going to be like, sell them, sell them, sell them. And you're going to sell them at the peak. And then when there's no buyers, bam, here comes the crash. And, and, I, and I feel like with the stock market, they do that all the time. Like, you know, the, the, and this is why the news, it, it plays with the public. They always talk about a stock doing good after it does good. They never tell you when it's going to do good. You know, they, they tell you AMC pop. GameStop pop so that you can go over there, put some money in, buy it at the peak, and then they sell it off. And then the guy that bought it before, you know, he cashes in, you're holding the bag, you got smoked. You know, so I feel like that's more rigged. Wasn't that what happened with GameStop? Something like that? Uh, with GameStop, it was a little different. It was basically, they, oh, okay. actually, they actually flipped it on the, on the rich guys, you know, which it was nice to see. Where basically, you know, these these kids on I think it was on Reddit, 
they found out that um that uh, uh, a hedge company, a hedge fund company, was shorting GameStop, so they were actually betting on that stock on that stock price to tank. And these guys were like, "Well, so it doesn't tank, let's all buy it." So it goes up, and they get screwed. Mm. So they flipped the game on them, and that's when Robinhood stepped in and said, "Oh no, 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 you guys can't do that." The game was rigged against the poor people, but they don't like it when they rigged it back against the rich guys. I gotta say, is fuck Robinhood. <laughs> yeah, Robinhood. I heard a lot of bad things about that app, bro. A lot about that shit. I, I gave it a new nickname after that. It's called Robbing the Hood. <laughs> yep. Yeah, yep. man. Now, um, in the same uh, aspect as Robin Hood, is there anything, any type of app where you can do gambling or bets with sports? Uh, if, if you live in the state of Nevada, there is. Every casino has okay. an app. So, like, you could download the MGM account. You could download the Westgate account. No, Caesars oh, account. Cool. Uh, but you can only use it while you're in the state. So ah, let's, okay. So, let's say, like, when I go home and I visit California, none of the apps turn on because of the GPS, you know? But now, like, if you go to New Jersey, you know, they have their own apps. Uh, Montana just started doing sports betting. Uh, plenty of states, Iowa, you know, they're starting to legalize it because they need the tax money. You know, all of a sudden, this is the other thing, too. You know, it was frowned upon, you know, by, by, the, by the government, like, oh, this is bad for you guys. You know, we can't legalize sports betting. But all of a sudden, they get their hand in the cookie jar. Oh, let's legalize it. Let's legalize it. Mm. You know, and, and it's kind of it like the same thing that happened with weed. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, as long as the feds get their hands in the cookie jar, it's fine and legal. You know, it's kind of like prostitution. It's illegal for a girl to go sell herself. Whether whether if it's by force, I mean that's obviously completely wrong because she's being pimped. But let's say she decides that this is what she wants to do. You know, she wants to generate money off of her body for whatever reason. I'm not condoning it or saying it's wrong. You know, that's her choice. That's wrong because she's not paying any taxes. But she can go shoot a movie at you know in Porn Valley in the 818. I mean, what a joke. <laughs> I mean, taxes. <laughs> I mean, I guess as long as you have that tax form, you know, anything goes. You know what I mean? Mm. You know, go ahead, sleep, sleep, sleep with twelve guys today, as, as long as they're paying taxes on it. You know, that's all that matters. <laughs> Uncle Sam approves it. <laughs> <laughs> Uncle Sam approves. As long as he gets paid, Uncle Sam approves. You know, yeah. same thing with sports betting. Now, California, California is supposed to be getting sports betting. You guys are supposed to be able to bet sports, but but the problem that that they have over there is that. The, the court doesn't really know which way they're going to lean because Native Americans, you know how they have the Indian reservations? Mm -hmm. So those guys, they say, if you guys legalize sports betting, it's going to have to go through us because according to, you know, according to the contract that you guys made with us, anything gambling goes through us. So then, mm -hmm. but the state, the state wants the revenue. So they're like, no, 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 we, we need to have it. We need to have it. You know, because we need the revenue for schools. You know, they always want to sell it. Like, we, you know, we, we got to help communities and stuff like that. But then you got the racetracks, you know, where the horses run? Uh-huh. Yeah, well, they're dying. You know, like, people are not going to the racetracks anymore. You know, besides the horses dying, uh, the, the racetracks itself, like, they're just not getting people to go attend. Nobody likes to sit there, uh -huh. wait, wait half an hour to bet a, a horse to run for, like, two minutes. 
and then the bed is done. You got to wait another half an hour. So they're saying, well, the only way we're going to keep these tracks alive is if we legalize sports betting and you give it to us. So the Native Americans in California are putting up a big fight. They're saying, no, 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 no. If, you, if we're going to do this, it's going to go through us and we're keeping the money. So that's why there's been a lag in California. As far as Texas, I don't know what's taking so long, considering that, you know, they're a Republican state. And most of the Republican states were the ones that were kind of like in the forefront as far as like pushing sports betting. Uh, so I don't know what's taking so long there, but those are the big cash cows for, for Las Vegas. Even though it's legal everywhere uh, where it's being legalized, the money still flows to Las Vegas. Like, like me personally, even though I'm here at work, I'm taking bets for the state of Rhode Island. So all that money that's being bet over there, it's actually coming over here. And then it gets split amongst the companies that are, that are in, in the, uh, the sports betting industry over there and then with us that are booking the action. Hmm. I think the whole now, we Texas talked thing, about the whole Texas thing. Yeah, the whole Texas thing. I think it's because a lot of a lot of uh, people who are moving to Texas are voting Democrat. That could be another reason why they're they're uh, you know maybe don't not passing you know the legalizing gambling there. I mean that could be a theory. I don't know why, but you know, but it's, de it's definitely holding back. I mean, those are the big fish, though. Once those come on board, I mean, if it's booming now, it's only going to boom more then. You know, and, and, and the interesting thing, too, was, though, when we had the whole quarantine, uh, people's betting uh, habits increased. I think it was because they were getting a lot of stimulus money. And, since they, and since they couldn't go anywhere, you know, they were just betting. You know, it was just like, well, it's free money. There's nowhere to go. You know, might as well bet, you know, bet ping pong if I have to, you know. What was your question, bro? No, I was going to say uh... – so shout out to the people on the on on the live on, on the on the chat, uh, Ricardo Lozano and uh, Cindy. Uh, I think she's family, your family yeah, member, right, sister. Cindy? Yeah, My sister. Yeah, yeah, sister. Okay, yeah. Shout out to uh, people in the chat. Yeah, that's what's up, man. That's what's up. Uh, so I mean, you mentioned the whole quarantine thing. You 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 kind of brought it up a little bit with the whole you know classism and whatnot. So and you kind of brought up the whole. Uh, division right i feel like during the quarantine or during the, this pandemic we were really really divided i mean if anything it was a chance for us to, to to come together and i mean they kept saying you know we're all in this together but we were never really fucking wearing it together because of so many differences i feel like we're more divided now and why do you think that is as far as uh, as people as a country or a rasa i mean people rasa i mean everybody i would say well, I mean, they, they preyed on our, uh, on our differences. You know, they, they preyed on the fact that, you know, some of us, like even now I'm going to make a prediction. I mean, I can't bet on this, but I wish I could because I'm, I'm sure I would get paid on it. But I, I, I'm pretty sure that, you know, come a couple months, the mainstream media is going to really divide us by uh, promoting that, you know, we're going to have rising cases in, in coronavirus or Delta variant. And they're going to blame the unvaccinated, such as myself. And they're going to say, oh, because of them, you know, this is getting, this is not getting fixed. So, you know, and it's messed up because, you know, they did it with the masks, you know, when they said, oh, you know, you don't have to wear one, you do have to wear one. And then the people that wouldn't wear one, you know, they would get yelled at by the ones that would wear one. And then, you know, you have the guys going to the beach and they would get arrested for going to the beach. You know, it was just, I feel like they just preyed on, on the fact that they know that people have different beliefs. You know, some people believe in uh, total freedom, you, you know, the ability to choose for themselves, 
even if they get wrecked, I mean, at least they chose, you know, and you have these politicians that, I don't know, like, I always felt like if you're going to be a politician, there's got to be something wrong in your head, because you obviously feel that your ways, like, you obviously feel that your ways are best for everyone. Mm. And I, I think you have to be a little psychotic to say, I want to be a politician, because you obviously believe that your ways are going to solve everyone's problems. I, I don't know. And I, I think that's, I think that's what happened with quarantine. And as far as, uh, you know, classism and, and racism, again, I mean, I don't know how you guys feel about this topic. Like, what do you make of the, uh, like Brown, this question's for you. What, what do you make, what do you make of all the money printing? As far as like unemployment checks, stimulus checks, uh, and now they're going to be giving people like $300 per child or something like that. What do you, what do you make of all yeah. that? Uh, this is a devalued money, bro. Eventually we're going to either, we're going to pay up the ass for taxes for, you know, just regular items. Uh, we're going to just, they're going to up everything, bro. We're going to be in deep shit pretty soon. And the reason I was asking is because again, it goes to classism. I mean, obviously the people that were laid off in the beginning, they, you know, they were, uh, you know, they were afraid because they didn't have their jobs. And then, you know, some got ecstatic when they were getting their $600 a week. And then it got extended to $300 extra, you know, like, oh, why, you know, why go to work? You know, this is great. I'm getting more money than I was making when I was working at McDonald's or whatever. And, you know, they were happy, you know, they were happy because they were finally seeing money. But here's the thing about classism and racism again, that whole move to us, you know, I mean, I don't have enough money to move my money into like gold or real estate or anything that's a real asset, you know, besides paper, I don't have that kind of money. And the thing is like these guys that are, you know, at the top of the pyramid, they do have that kind of money. So this money printing is not even going to affect them because what they're going to do is they're going to grab all of their paper dollars and they're going to say, let me place them in gold. Let me place them in real estate. And what are we going to do? We, we, we can't place, we can't do that. You know, we're not going to buy fucking, you know, 15 coins of gold, you know, for $30,000. So what's going to end up happening, you know, as far as classes of racism thing, you know, you're going to have all these, these uh, one percenters moving their, their money mm. into, the, into these real assets that are going to appreciate over time while we're stuck with our savings accounts. And now our money is being devalued. And some people don't even understand, understand what that means, but, all you got to do is look at the gas station. If, let's say you have $10,000 saved in your bank account right now and you're paying, I don't know, five bucks for, per gallon. Well, you actually have less money, even, even if you have the same amount of money that you did a year ago when gasoline was $3 per gallon, you know? Mm. And, and, and I think Rasa doesn't understand that. Like, I think that that's another problem with our culture. Like, we're not really taught how money works, you know? We're, we're just taught, go get the money. You know, it's mm. like... It's, it's just point A to point B. Go get the money. Put it in the bank. That's it. It's L-shaped. Get the money. Put it in the bank. There, there's no like, it's like I was telling my brother, like imagine our, our parents back in the 90s when their economy was booming, when, when they were working overtime and everything was good in America. Imagine instead of saving $300 per paycheck, if that's what they were doing, they were buying an ounce of gold at $300, because that, that's how much it would cost in 1990. Those same $300, 
would be what $1,700 today for each ounce, you know, and the person that just put his $300 in the bank, the $300 stayed the same, but now he could buy less shit when the guy that was putting $300 on an ounce of gold, he's got $1,700 now. And yeah. He's still dealing mm-hmm. with the, he's still dealing with the same prices that we're dealing with, but now he's got more purchasing power. He can buy more with, with the same amount. You know, you took 300, you bought an ounce of gold. This guy put 300 in the bank. You know, inflation kicked in. Well, the gold rose, the 300 stayed the same. And I, and I think that's another issue with Rasa. Like, that we're, we're, and it's not our, it's not really an issue. It's more like a lack of knowledge, a lack of awareness, and also a lack of wanting to learn such things. You know, like when we're in school, we, we, we tend to cloud the, the smart kid. You know, we make fun of the smart kid and we bully him. And uh, the cool kid is, is, is the cholo, you know, he's the one getting the girls or, or the payaso, you know, he's the one making the class laugh. He's the cool kid. He's the, he's the one that makes the, the yearbook most popular and stuff like that. And it's like, that's what we value. You know, you go on YouTube and look, look at what Rasa's doing. They, they go to these, uh, I don't know, you ever heard of that event, Picolandia? Nah, what is it? Is it's, it's, it's in Pico Rivera. It's like, it's popping right now. It's like a big thing on TikTok, YouTube where, uh, you know, young Rasa goes over there to Pico Rivera. It's kind of like, you know, where they do like jaripeos? You know, they where okay. you know, they, they bring out the horses and stuff and uh, the bulls. So they go there and they just get shit-faced, you know, and they, and they put it on YouTube. And literally there, there, was a, there was a video of a chick where she looked like, she was maybe like 21, 22. She's filming herself taking shots. And then she's like, I want to prove to you guys that I really got wasted. And she films her vomit. You know, and, and it's got like, I don't know how many views, you know, and, and I think that's the problem. Like the problem with our culture, we got to look at ourselves. Like we got to look at ourselves and be like, how's that quote go? There's a quote that says it gets crowded when there's a party, but when it's time to get to work and learn, it gets lonely. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a good one. That's a good one. You know, it, 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 that's really how it is. You know, like we're all willing to get together at the deals and get shit faced. We're all willing to do all that. But if somebody says, hey, you guys want to read this book? Nah, fuck you. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, and, and, and it's just, I don't know. I, I, I don't know why we're like that as a culture. And, and I think that's, you know, when I look at those videos, I'm like, this is why some people don't like us. Because look, look at what we put out. You know, like you guys are trying to change that. You know, you guys are, are, are putting out information. You guys are trying to like, you know, show, you know, there's a different way. It's not what we've always known, you know, just because it's traditional doesn't make it right. You know, Mm. the same thing goes with baptisms and all that stuff. Like, you know, these people, you know, we get baptized, we throw a big fiesta and then we don't go back to church. So it's like, I I, I don't get the point. You know what I mean? Like, do do we, (laughs) or, or. Or look at it this way, you know, like when we do a baptism for for the for a baby or whatever, you know, a kid. <laughs> most of the people, instead of focusing on the kid, they're fucking, you know, drinking and doing all kinds of stupid shit. Face. <laughs> shit <laughs> face, bro. <laughs> fucking Aiden's, Aiden's out there, you know, fucking getting lost and shit, you know, fucking fighting with other kids, you know. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying, I'm not saying hand out Bibles at the party, but what, I, what I'm saying is. <laughs> But what I'm saying is, what I'm saying is, let's be honest. Let's be honest with ourselves. Let's be honest with our people. When we say we're gonna have a bautizo, we, we start asking who's gonna bring the Coronas, who's gonna who's gonna bring mm. the Budweisers, who's gonna bring the Carnesada. Like 
okay, like we go to church for an hour, we listen to the Father, and then it's like, well, did we learn anything? Are we going to learn anything else? Or uh, what, what, no, you know, what are we doing? And, and I think that's, you know, and it's part, <laughs> and, and that's, you know, that, that, that's the problem with us. Like, we're not willing, like, for some reason. And then when we do learn, when we do learn something, we don't want to share it. You know, we want to keep it a secret. We yeah. want to keep it. We want to keep it a secret. We're like, oh, I don't want him to steal it from me. I don't want him to steal this idea from me. Well, I mean, the only way you're going to be able to grow an idea is by sharing it. It's like right now I'm in mm. collabor. Right now I'm in collaboration with a guy from the UK. You know, he uh, he works with me. He's actually a superior in the company to me, and he's willing to collaborate with me because he wants to learn from me, and I want to learn from him. You know. And, and, and he's doing things that I never knew were possible on Excel. You know, I'm over here thinking, oh, I'm pretty good at Excel, you know, and, you know, Flo showed me a lot of things on Excel and I'm thinking this is good. And this guy just makes me look like shit, you know? So, so but the only, the only way I'm going to get better is by learning, you know? And, 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 that, and that's the thing. Like, I don't know, man. Like, I, I feel like when it comes to money, we don't want to learn how it works. We don't even know what money is. We just look at it like, oh, look, I got a hundred bucks. Uh, I people tell you, oh, look, I got a raise. I make fifteen bucks an hour now. Mm-hmm. You know, I make fifteen bucks an hour. Good job, mijo. Like, no, that's not a good job. It's not a good job to rely on a paycheck. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's a good. And here's the other thing too, as far as making financial decisions. Have you guys noticed that? When we, you know, when, when we buy a brand new car, you know, we're 21 years old, 22, 23, whatever, we buy a brand new car, we tell our homies, we tell our friends, I just bought this car. Everybody fucking applauds, you, you know? We, we applaud one of the worst fucking decisions we can make. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, like, like we get excited and then there goes the next guy because no quiere que lo pantallen. You know, he's like, oh no, I got one too, homie. Like, look at me. I, I pull up on this one because he just saw his homie Bawa, so he don't want to feel like he's being left behind. So now he's got to go pull one up. So it's like, he's only doing it because this for Bawa. He's like, I want to get one too. And it's like, as soon as you buy the fucking car, it's worth less when you drive it out the, out, you know, out the parking lot. And we don't even think about these things. I, I feel like I set myself back years when I bought my first car. Fucking $30,000 gone to shit. I don't even have the car anymore. Worst decision ever. <laughs> You know, so I, I, I do think we uh, we need to do a better job looking at, at ourselves in the mirror as far as a lot of things. Mm. I just want to go a little bit back. So the whole thing with Picolandia. <laughs> is- <laughs> you got stuck on that, huh? He likes Pico- he likes I was just thinking that is it not maybe a, a Latin X type of thing? Probably, bro. No, it's not. It, it, it's I mean, the, 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 God X, bro. No, it's a God. I mean, Picolandia, from the looks of it, it's more like a like a paisa theme type of thing, you know, where mm. dudes show up with championship belts, you know, and uh, you know, <laughs> the cowboy hats. With the biggest Evias, yeah. I'm not disrespecting uh, the culture. I'm just saying, you know. But I, I feel like we take, like I said, with Picolandia, I just feel like, I don't know, we take, to, like this guy, you know, Flo himself, you know, he used to get shit-faced and it was like, well, how many can, how many beers can I drink today? You know, and, and it's like, we take pride in, oh, I, I drank 12 and I got, I vomited. Like, how, you know, but I, see, I, 
let me get this perspective, bro. See, but that's because we glorify that that challenge, right? As as like boys, right? As like, oh, these are my boys. I, like, you know, we're gonna do this because that shows that we're 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 tough. We can hang. We can, you know, that's the the carrilla. That's the challenge that we give each other, right? But if we were to give each other the challenge, how much money can you get off of doing this right here? How much money, how how much can you get back from this investment? Oh, let's challenge ourselves doing this. You know what I mean? If we were to have that mindset, bro, in the barrios, like, damn, that would be powerful. And that's what people, wealthy people, they give that ejemplo, that, that you know what I mean, those challenges to their children. And they want them to only hang out with like-minded people so that they can be, you know, they can be powerful, you know? Yeah, I mean, and, and like you said, we need to uh, we need to change what we glorify. You know, we, we, we glorify a lot of stupid things. You know, we glorify just, you know, how many girls did you sleep with? You know, that's like a fucking, uh, we give a crown for a fool that bangs, you know, like a bunch of chicks and has a bunch of babies with a bunch of different women, like, that's not that's not that's not something to glorify. That's that's destroying the nuclear <laughs> the nuclear family. You know what I mean? Like, and and it's like I, I'm not I can't speak on on other cultures because I'm not in those cultures. I don't live in those cultures, so I'm not going to speak on them. But I can definitely speak on our culture, and our our culture has a lot. Of, you know, like you said, we got to be able to turn the corner, and we got to be able to mm. focus on. And you don't even got to improve the barrio. Like when people say, oh, we need to improve the barrio. How about start improving yourself? You know, because if everybody improves themselves, the barrio will improve automatically. Mm. You know, you know, it's like, it's like a team. It's a football team. You know, it's, you're the offensive line. He's the quarterback. He's a receiver. A receiver ain't catching the ball if, if the quarterback is getting sacked. And, mm-hmm. and, and if the quarterback is, doesn't have any time to throw, he can't scan the field. So it's like everybody has mm. to do everybody has to do their part. You know, everybody has to do their part in their field. And, you know, you guys brought up, uh, I don't know if it was on a live or on season one, but you guys brought up something about how Rasa gets depicted in, in film. And there was something about mm. we always get the role of the Cholo. I think that was mm. uh, Brown. Yeah, yeah, I think he brought it up yeah. or, or the maid and stuff like that. And, and it goes mm. back to the same thing. Why are we not willing to take chances and start making our own movies? You know, if, if we don't like the roles that we're being given, like you said, well, why are they taking the role? What, when are we going to start blaming the actor that accepts the money for the role? That, okay, mm-hmm. we, we can do that. But how about making our own films? You know, even if they look like shit, yeah. you know, even if they look like shit, how about taking a chance, making your own film? If you don't like the way you're being depicted, then do something about it. You mm-hmm. know Instead of just complaining, oh, well, they always give us the role of the maid or the cholo. Okay, well, then create one. Go to USC. It's down the street. Film school. Yeah. Hollywood. You know, the capital of entertainment. You know, it's like, yeah. but we're not willing. We're not willing to venture in there. And, and the other thing, too, I don't know about you guys, but when I remember when I was a kid and we had the magnet program, you know, I, I was actually selected to join it. And the reason I, I chose not to, you know, stupid choice by me as a kid was because I said, oh, that, that's for the widow kids. Yep. You know? mm. That's where they go. You know, the, the, the widow kids go there, you know, the, the Americanos, you know, that's where they go. So we're ashamed to be smart. Hmm. You know, like, 
<laughs> because, we, because we know that if we go there, the homies are going to be like, oh, that thinks he's a shit now. You know, he, he's hanging out with those fools now. Like, he don't want to kick it with us no more. <laughs> and let me tell you a little story, bro. Let me tell you a story. So as a kid, before I started hanging out with, like, thugs and shit, I would, like, always be real, bro. Like, I, I, I used to love, I, I still love reading, bro. I have a bunch of books that I love and I remember that I was so into reading like um, like Stephen King shit, you know, things like that. And I had a little book collection in, in my room, right? Uh, and I remember in the time when I was hanging out with the with thugs and shit, with like you know homies, they came over and they were like, "Hey, what's up with those books?" I'm all like, "Ah, nah, the 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 school they uh they they gave them to me to read. Fucking assholes, they gave it to me." <laughs> Fucking assholes. <laughs> I made it seem like it's a crutch, you know what I mean? Yeah, like it's yeah. something that I didn't, like a didn't burden choose. on me and yeah. shit. See, choose. that's what I'm saying. And because of that fucking mentality, that dumbass mentality that I had to lie to look just like them, like some idiots, you know? And that goes back to what this whole episode is about, risk. You got to be willing mm, to risk. risk. You got mm-hmm. to be willing to risk your reputation with the homies to improve. You know, you got to be willing mm-hmm. to risk your reputation with your family you know, to, to get something done that's never been done, you know, yep. because you're, you're, you gotta, you gotta get comfortable with the uncomfortable, you know, you know, and, and it's not easy. It's not, it's not easy having to take those chances. Like you said, I mean, let's say you were a weak-minded fool, mm. you know, now you're going to stop reading because you really don't want these guys to think, Oh, I'm a reader, you know? Exactly. And, and, and as far as taking chances, it's like, it, it's kind of like this, you know, I think everything in life is a bet. Everything. There's nothing that isn't a bet. When you pick a girlfriend, you're betting that she's gonna be loyal to you. You know? Mm, oh when, shit. When when you when you buy a life insurance, there's a company betting that you're gonna that you're not gonna die so they can cash a ticket. Uh, <laughs> they're making a bet on your life, you know? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. You, you think they're gonna be willing to hand out a million dollars if they're not winning? Oh, they're winning. They're, you know, they're 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 hoping that you will survive. And they're gonna collect every month and pay nothing out. Car insurance—they're betting that you're not gonna get in a car crash. Literally, everything is bookmaking. Everything, girlfriend. Everything is bookmaking. Everything's a bet. When you when you pick a major, you're betting that you're gonna get a career that's gonna help you support you the rest of your life. So, what I want to stress to Rasa is, you gotta realize that you're always making bets, even if you think you don't. And this is why I love sports betting. Because <clears throat> when you make a decision, you will see a result in three hours of, of whatever decision you made, whether you decided to skip the game and not bet it, whether you decided to go all in with your savings account, which I don't recommend, whether you decided to, <laughs> whether, you, you, whether you decided to just bet $100, you know, you're going to see a decision. That, that decision that you made is going to have a consequence or it's going to have a reward. And I, and I think the problem with Rasa is that we don't, we don't value decision-making. You know, we, we really don't value that, oh, if I make this decision, it is going to have an effect. And it's kind of like when you hop on the freeway, man. When you hop on the freeway, what happens when you take the wrong exit? Now you got to ask that little map app to redirect you to the spot that you're going. So now you're wasting time. So now mm. ima- imagine that as your life. When you make one bad decision, now you got to make up all that time that you lost to fix that bad decision. And it's just, 
you know, until Raza understands that decision-making is, is probably one of the most important things that we need to teach our children or as a culture that we need to value, you know, whatever, whatever you decide to do, you have to think, how is it going to affect me? Like a chess move, man. You move upon a certain way. You're doing it, hoping that it gets eaten by this guy so you can knock the other one out. You know, there's a strategy to it. You're not just doing it just because. And, and, and all of us, we're making bets every day. We're making bets with the food that we eat. We're, you know, we're making, like you guys talked at one time, saying that back then I was eating a bunch of Cheetos. I thought it was all fun and dandy. Now I'm 35 years old. I can't shit, you know, so, stuff like that. <laughs> so, you know, you're, you're, you're making bets on the food that you eat. It's going to have a long-term effect. You're making bets on how you move your money. You're making bets on the type of car you're going to buy. You know, when I bought that truck, Back in 2000 and, uh, 2005 or something like that, I wasn't thinking about the V8 engine and how I was going to get smoked by the gasoline prices. Fucking accident, too. I was just thinking about, oh, it looks nice. It looks cool. When I pull up to the club, it's got rims. That's all I was thinking about. I wasn't thinking about the effects of the decision. And everything is a bet. And until we learn how to make the right bets, we're going to keep losing as a culture, as individuals. And we are always making the same bets, the, the same bets. You know, we, we have these teenagers that their parents don't discipline them. They end up getting raised by the streets. They end up doing hood shit. You know, I'm, th- I'm what, 30, about to be 37 years old. I'm still driving down to Pacoima. I'm still seeing the same taggings that I was seeing when I was 13 years old. It hasn't changed. The, the people, the, the, the tigers are different, but the decisions are the same. And we, we keep mm. making, we keep making the same bets. And it's just, I can't stress it enough. Like, we, we just have to change. Like we have to change what we're betting on, what we're choosing to do, because there is going to be a consequence and we're either going to reap the rewards from that bet or we're going to have to, you know, we're going to have to suffer and pass it along. And, and this is why I stress the flow that, you know, we, we got to find the formula because once you find the formula, you just repeat it. And then what do you do? You pass it along to your seat. They repeat it and that's it. You, you, you create, the formula over the money. I'll put it to you like that. I, if I had you a million dollars right here, right now, and you don't know how to manage it, the money's gone anyway. You know, you're going to blow it on a fucking boat. You're going to go on vacation and the money's gone. You know, but if, if, if you're able to have a formula on how to generate more of it, you teach that formula. You pass it down and you're able mm-hmm. to you're able to provide for your seed. And then they're able to pass that generational wealth down, down. We're, we're laying the foundation. You know, we, we don't have the privilege. Our parents came from the other side. They don't speak any English. They tried. They've done what they can. They've laid the foundation. When you're building a building, that's always the hardest part. You got to lay the foundation. And us being second generation, we don't have a choice. Like, we understand that we're playing the game. We've been dealt certain cards. They're not the, they're not the best looking cards. I'm telling you this. We're not sitting on aces. I'll tell you that much, you know. We're probably sitting on fours and tens. That's a horrible fucking hand to be dealt. <laughs> you know, that's not going to hit 21, but we, we got to be able to work with those cards and say, well, how do I make these cards work for the next one? Because at the end of the day, we're not going to be judged by what we do for ourselves. We're going to be judged by what we do for others, for whether it be for your own kids, whether it be for, you know, your parents. You know, at the end of the day, you got to think, not for yourself, but how do you improve, you know, the entire rasa really, you know, because if you improve yourself, you improve our reputation 
when people that don't look like us encounter you and they see, oh, not everybody is like that. You know, not everybody is that cholo on the screen. You know, mm -hmm. this, this guy is actually smart. This guy's got a college degree, you know, and until then, we're not going to be able to make those changes. Yeah. Now, this kind of made me think about yesterday how we had that discussion on the on the live that basically it kind of all comes down to self-discipline, bro, self-control. Because mm -hmm. if, if you just take that step without really thinking it through and you want the short-term rewards instead of the long-term rewards, like, like you mentioned with your truck, you wanted to impress the women, you wanted to look good in the club or whatever, you know what I mean? So you wanted that short-term, you were thinking short-term, like I'm going to get all, you know, all this, you know? But in the long-term, you weren't thinking about where are you going to be with this truck in the long run, you know what I mean? What is it really going to reap? having this truck, you know what I mean? So that kind of goes along with, with just decisions in life, bro. Decisions in life that, that lead you to the next step. And then you really mess up, you know, you want that short-term reward. You want the money, the quick, all these people looking for like the, uh, what is that? Like, you know, quick, quick, fix. quick fixes. Yeah. 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 Like quick the quick fix. money, you know, they, they do this, they, they go, they do, you know, they, they have those, those uh, companies that, that promise you like, oh, if you stick with it, and then, and then you end up finding that it's fucking selling life insurance. Like, you know what I mean? They oh, have, they, they, they make it all fucking like, all like, you know, you don't even know what the fuck they're selling. They talk to you about, oh, you you want wealth? You want real wealth? You want to give wealth to your family? And then once they give you the fucking rundown of what it is, you're like, so what the fuck are we selling here? Life insurance. Like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Okay, you know what I mean? So things like that, bro. The world wants to give you everything, but it wants to pay the perfect prick, uh, perfect picture. It wants you to just be like, okay, I want it. I want it now. You know what I mean? And that's really what media, what the social media does, bro, is, is, yep. is instant gratification, bro. Yep. And, yeah, uh, and that's what we're becoming, how we're becoming. Everyone in general, not just Rasa. <clears throat> I, li I like to call it the uh, the microwave generation, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, that's true, yeah. Where you don't even got to cook the meal, you know? You just throw it in there for three minutes and yeah. you're, ready to, you're ready to eat your whatever you're, you know, you decided to throw in there. And like you said, you know, with social media, I mean, I think the reason TikTok is so successful with, with their app is because they, they've learned that the, uh, I mean, sadly, the attention span of a human being is like 15 seconds, you know? Like they, they, the videos are so short, you know, they, and then people stay glued because the, you know, their attention span is so, is so bad. And, and that's why it's so hard to achieve any type of success, because like you said, mm -hmm. you know, you, you, you need discipline and beyond discipline. I think all of us need to be able to hold ourselves accountable, you know, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, because we got to be able to say, look, I, I fucked up, you know, whether it be to yourself or to your coworkers, or to whoever, everybody's trying to find a way out, and uh, everybody wants a quick fix. Like you said, you know, they, they don't like. There's no such anything that's too quick and too good. It's probably too good to be true, you know. And I see it every day in sports betting, since it is a podcast about betting. You know, I see it every day with these guys that you know they'll come in, and I kid you not, you know, their bet ticket looks this big. You know, this is a receipt from the post office, but. It looks this big because they'll put like 20 teams on there. You know, oh, shit. You know, they'll, they'll, they'll bet $5 on 20 teams because it pays a million dollars. You know? Oh, here's one, actually. Here, here's a real one. Here's, here's a real one right here. This is an actual bet somebody made, right? 
I mean, look at all these fucking teams. And they put, you know, 10 bucks to win 50 bucks because these teams were supposed to win. Well, one of them lost. So the whole ticket went to the trash, you know, so, mm. you know, so, and that's how they, you know, they lure you in the same way in the industry over here. You know, they promise you riches for small amounts. Did you guys know that our number one moneymaker in Las Vegas is penny slots? Mm. You would think, you know, you would think, how do they make money off of this? You know? Well, penny slots are the number one moneymaker in Las Vegas. Why? Because everybody want, everybody runs to that machine thinking, well, I only got to put a dollar and I get 100 spins. Yeah, you're going to lose 100 spins and then you're going to put another dollar because, you know, you get to sit there and then here comes the cocktail waitress and her little skirt brings you a little, a little free drink on the house. And it's free for a reason. So you could stay sitting there and put more pennies and before you know it, you're $100 in. You know, you're $100 in and you, you didn't win anything. You know, you, you didn't win anything. I, Vegas, I got to give them credit. It's the only place I can fuck you out of your money and send you home with a smile. You know? <laughs> <laughs> you know? I, uh, you know, and, uh, no one else can do that. But this city can do it. We can fuck you out of your money and send you home with a smile. That's how good we are at, 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 at taking people's money. You know? And then, <laughs> and then you'll go home. And wait, 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 wait. Obama kind of did that. <laughs> oh man! Well, with the health insurance, <laughs> with just just a whole fucking bamboozle that he did and shit. Hey, it's all about hope. Hope sells. Hope sells mm. just like sex. Mm. You know, they they mm. both sell. They both sell the same. Everyone, everybody wants to be told things are gonna get better. Hey, sometimes you gotta be told shit ain't gonna get better until you fucking do something about it. That's right. You know, <laughs> but but everybody wants to be yeah. told. Everybody wants that pat in the back. Sometimes you got to get that smack in the back, yeah, yeah, yeah. on the back yeah. of the head. They want, they, want, they want that trophy for losing, you know what I mean? You know, and, and mm. hope sells. And that's why these penny slots sell. That's why these parlay tickets, you know, Vegas is never going to go out of business. We're always going to have another 21-year-old sucker getting ready to get rich, getting ready to bring his money and say, I'm the one that's going to do it. There's going to be a few. There's going to be a few that are going to do it, but they're going to have to be persistent and they're going to have to learn what they're doing wrong. And they're going to have to be disciplined. And they're going to have to be accountable. Because, you know, like you say, in anything, I mean, you do music, you know, sometimes you got to, you know, you got to, you got to change the verse, you know, <laughs> even if it took you, you know, an hour to write it. Sometimes you have to change it. You got to, you got to be real with yeah. yourself and be like, this ain't good enough, you know, and yeah. your, your ego has got to check itself at the door, you know, because if not, you're going to get humbled real quick. You know, whether mm-hmm. it be, and, you know, it's just, I don't know, man. But yeah, as far as, as far as betting is concerned, you know, Rasa's has got to learn how to make better bets when it comes to decision-making. All right. So, so we uh, have uh, one more thing, Flo. Uh, we haven't right. discussed uh, 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 addiction, addiction within gambling. Okay. Let's go over that real quick before we change the topic. Uh, now, have you, uh, have you come across people that are super like just like <laughs> it's like they're on fucking smack while they're out there and shit. <laughs> i mean at one point i would consider myself an addict you know i i think if uh i know i was addicted to roulette because i i used to play it online and uh i used to play it with credit cards so that's oh, how I knew that I was shit addicted. so that's how i knew that i was addicted you know 
and uh, the only person that knew about this was my youngest brother because he would sleep in the same room and he would hear me banging the keyboard, you know, when, when I would lose my fucking money. So, you know, I, I, at that point, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll be honest with you. You know, I, I was addicted uh, when I first got out here. You know, the, the timing wasn't the best. And uh, I ended up losing my entire savings account, which wasn't much, but it was $15,000. You know, I, I, I lost it all, but it wasn't because of that. It was a combination of betting on stuff that I didn't know. And the reason I was doing that was because I was desperate. I couldn't find a job. And uh, basically I was surviving. I was sur like me and my girl were surviving on our savings account. You know, that that's what we were living off of. So, you know, when there's no income coming in and uh, you've got the rent due, well, you still have to pay, you know what I mean? So as, as I started seeing the numbers go down in my bank account, it was like, well, I got to bet something, you know, I, mm. I, I, I got to be able to defend myself. And I started betting uh, soccer and I just got fucking killed, you know? And, and then when I started losing my money, I started chasing my money back, which is the worst thing on baseball. And I got smoked even more to the point that we eventually got a, we got an eviction letter on our door. Oh shit. Like if we didn't pay and, and the, within seven days, they were going to, you know, call the police and have us get evicted. And, and I still have that letter at home. I still have it. Uh, I kept it as a, as a souvenir because I, I feel like, you know, everything happens for a reason that it was probably, mm -hmm. probably one of the best things that could have happened because it, it led to a lot of self-reflection as far as uh, addiction and as far as uh, money management, you know, managing your money, you know, when you're betting your rent money, you, you know, you're addicted. When you're betting your credit cards, you know, you're addicted. Um, it was a rough time, but I, I love it. Like, I love knowing that I use it as fuel. Like, if you were able to get past that, you know, get past this next thing, you know. So it's kind of like that story from Cortez. I don't know if it's legit or not. When when he was about to go invade the Aztecs and he decided to burn down the ships, you know, so his men didn't have a way to go home, you know, that's that type of deal. Okay. But, as, you know, it's kind of like he forced himself to win, you know, it's kind of like, this is where we're at. This is where we're going to be. And we're going to have to find a way to win. So as far as addiction and others, well, I've seen plenty of it. You know, I, I'll tell you one of the craziest stories if you guys want to hear it. Yeah. So, so, see this little bag of chips? Mm -hmm. this, this will probably run you for like a dollar, right? You know, maybe 50 cents or whatever. So there was this one guy. He was a former tennis player. He, he was a customer every day. He was there every day. And he, he had money. Like the guy had bank. Every day he would bet, I want to say at least $2,000, $3,000 a game per day. And you're talking about, you know, maybe three games per day. And the guy got on such a bad losing streak that I couldn't believe what he did next. He, he came over to me, and this is when I was selling tickets. Like, I would sit back behind a counter and uh, create the ticket where the bets are on. Mm. And he comes up to me. He's like, I need a win. Like, I need a win bad. Like, I, I keep losing. Like, I, I just need to know how it feels to win. So, oh, so he's like, give me a winner. I'm like, I, I can't, I, I cannot give you a pick. You know, like as, as a worker, I'm not allowed to do that. Like you bet, you bet what you want to bet. You know what I mean? So 
the guy looks up to the board. He finds this game where you have a team that's minus, I think it was like minus 10,000 favorite. And if you guys don't know what that means, minus 10,000 means you have to drop $10,000. So you have to risk $10,000 to win $100. Okay. So this dude thinking this is a safe bet, because the team, he was betting what they call live betting, which means you're betting the game while the game is actually already playing. Oh, okay. So he knew the score, and the team that he was betting on was up by, like, seven baseball runs. So baseball, you know, it's hard to score, right? So he's thinking, I'm just going to bet this game just to get this guaranteed winner out of the way so I can feel winning again because I've lost so much money that I don't even know how it feels to win anything. So the guy lays down – I don't remember the exact amount <laughs> – but he laid down, I think it was, I think it was a thousand dollars to win ten dollars, if I'm not mistaken. So he risked ten thousand dollars out of his pocket to win ten dollars on a guaranteed winner that was, that was up by seven in the bottom of the eighth inning. So he's thinking, all I need is three outs and I'm gonna win my bet. Well, the three outs never came. The the the, 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 the team the team that was losing ended up coming back. Oh and, and, and he ended up losing. So then I told him. I was like, dude, if you needed a bag of chips that bad, I can give you a dollar for my fucking tip cup. You know, like, you know, why, why would you risk a thousand dollars to win ten dollars? Like, it just didn't make any sense. So the guy comes back to me. He's like, you think I'm an idiot, huh? I'm like, I'm not gonna say yes, and I'm not gonna say no. Coming. You know, <laughs> but but I've seen guys, I've seen guys lose, you know, lose their entire bank account. They, you know, that when they first started betting, they would they, they would come in and they would dress sharply, and then after a few months, they look like a homeless guy, and you know wow. their their entire image would just change. There was a dude that got his truck stolen, but by oh. by trusting a, a fellow better that was that had lost his ass and needed money, so so the, the guy you know he borrowed his truck to go get some food for them. He, the truck never came back. The, the guy left. He left. Oh, sh- <laughs> and then trip out on this. This this guy, you know, this is when you know that humans are irrational. So the guy gets his truck stolen. And he's from out of town. You know, he had driven in from like Oklahoma or something. The other dude, he's like, hey, let me borrow your truck so I can go get us some food because they became friends. So he trusted him, takes the truck, never comes back, right? Months come back. The guy comes to me. He's like, this guy fucked me out of my truck. Like, if I ever see him, I'm going to kill him. I'm like, well, that's not, that's between you guys. I have nothing to do with this, right? So finally comes back with the truck. He actually has the audacity to bring the truck to the same place where he stole it from, looks for the guy, and says, hey, man, thanks for letting me borrow your truck. So he, he took it for like two, three months, and he still says, thank you for letting me borrow your truck. <laughs> oh, shit. So the, the idiot actually accepts the apology because they're betting, you know, they're betting buddies again. And, you know, this is the thing. When you mix alcohol with betting, it's not a good combination. So he accepts the apology. He comes back, this time with his family. He brings his wife and his, like, 19-year-old daughter with him. Introduces them to the guy that stole the truck. And says, and says, this is my good friend. I forgot his name. You know, blah, blah, blah. This is all happening in front of me because I get to see everything going on at the casino. And then a couple of days later, the guy that got the truck stolen comes back to me. He says, fuck that motherfucker. Now he trying to bang my daughter. And I'm like, what, what do you expect? 
What what do you expect? He stole your truck for two months. You forgive the guy, then you introduce your 19-year-old daughter to him. Fucking uh, and, and he found them. He found the guy in his hotel room with his daughter. Oh shit. And it's like, what are you doing? And, and, and like you said, you know, when it comes to addiction, people make a lot of irrational decisions. You know, when I don't know, maybe the guy was shooting the money. Maybe he was letting him borrow money to bet when he would lose. Because a lot of that happens at the sports books. And a lot of things that happen too is, uh, if, let's say you walk in and you come in with a duffel bag and you unload, you know, $35,000 on the Lakers. You know, the people are going to see it. You know, the crowd is going to see you betting this money with me. I'm counting the money. I run it to the counter. You know, it shows 30000 I wrap it up, blah, blah, blah. Here's your bet. Good luck to you. As soon as the public sees that, everybody flocks to you. What did he bet? I want to copy his bet. No idea why he bet it. They just want to copy the bet, thinking, oh, well, he has money, therefore he's smart. One of the biggest mistakes people make, a lot of these rich guys that are allowed to bet so much money, they're not very smart bettors. You know, they're, <laughs> they're smart at, at whatever they do in business, but as far as making bets, a lot of them, you know, they, there's a reason why Vegas will publicize their bets. You know, they'll put it on Twitter like, oh, we just took 500000 from this one player at the MGM Grand because they want the crowd to follow that bet because they feel good about the other side. So, you know, there's a lot. And, and of course, the addicts, they look at the big piece of money. They're like, oh, we got to chase that bread. So let me, let me go make that bet because if he's willing to take that chance, why shouldn't I go all in with my savings account? And here comes the addict. And then the savings account gets white. He doesn't have a business. Little do they know, this guy's a surgeon, a brain surgeon, a doctor. You know, these guys are making money like nothing. So 100000 to them, eh, you know, they can take that out. I mean, it's, I'm sure you got a shitload of stories about gambling. You know, that could be a whole different episode. We can talk about, you know, all the stuff that he's been through, he's seen. I mean, he's told me a bunch of stories. They're always fucking hilarious. But, you know, it is 10 o'clock and I do want to wrap it up, you know. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so I, I want to say thanks for coming in and being the first guest, you know, on this and, you know, really sharing some knowledge. This is the whole point of doing season two is to bring in guests, you know, who have different experiences from us and really just talk about, you know, their experience and, you know, how they can provide help for people, you know. So this is an avenue, right? So if you like sports, you know, and if you like taking some risks, sports gambling, it might be for you. You know what I mean? I mean, that's that's his thing. You know, like I said, he's been able to at least make some money out of it, you know. Uh, so I'm glad that that he came on here and, and talked about that. And, you know, obviously he's my brother, you know, so I might be a little biased about that. But, I mean, Brown, I mean, I'm sure, you know, you earn a lot. Just from yeah, him today, man. you know. So, what are your thoughts on that, man? Yeah, man. Last thoughts on this, man. That uh, raza as raza, man. <clears throat> coming from, especially like myself, coming from a traditional parents that are not risk takers, but you know, they cross the border, but you know, <laughs> they they preach the non risk taking activities. But I say, in life, you pretty much are risking your daily, you know. As you live, you're risking things. Uh, if you don't think about it, you're risking things. Like, you know, say, you, say you're a kid and you're just going to school, you're in high school, whatever. By, you know, that thought of like, oh, maybe if I skip one day of school, if I just, you know, leave after lunch and don't come back, you know, that's a risk. 
that's a risk because a lot can happen off of, you know, either nothing can happen or a lot can happen off of you, you know, skipping school. Just that simple, that simple decision, you know what I mean? And life, as you get older, you see the risk gets more intense. The risk is higher, you know what I mean? So, you know, say you wanted to do the same thing at your job. After lunch, I'm not gonna come back today. Fuck that. You know what I mean? You get fucking fired, <laughs> yeah, actually, bro. Actually you know did what do mean? something like that. That's another story, though. He did something like that. He walked out of the <laughs> shop. <laughs> that motherfucker's on a shit of stuff. But you know, you again, know what I mean? So that's that's what I'm saying, bro. So, like, you know, we have to take risks, but calculated risks, smart risks. We have to know when is the right time to take the risk. Are we at a at a mature level in our lives that we can actually take these risks of the next level in our lives? Uh, or do we still need some improvement? Cause like I always say, everyone's a, a work in progress. You know what I mean? Everyone's under construction. You know what I mean? We all need some kind of help of something. We're not fucking robots. You know what I mean? We need help for something, you know? So it's like, what, what is that risk that you're willing to take in your life? My risk right now is investing in my music. Investing in, in, you know, all the things, all the creative things that I'm doing, investing in my kids, making sure that they're doing, because I, I got them into different programs and stuff. So I'm, I'm investing in them, investing in me. My wife is doing some stuff too. So with our money, you know, we're investing in that. You know what I mean? So that's another risk because either something great can kind of come out of that or maybe it might just stay the same, you know, but it's a risk nonetheless. So that's what I say. My last words, just for Rasa right. to take that next level. If they're ready for it, risk it. And if you're willing to risk it all, go for it. But make sure that you're willing to take the repercussions or, you know, whatever comes with it. That's right. You know, and that risk, you know, that that, I, that I've been taking, you know, and, and putting myself out there with this. I mean, when we first talked about doing this podcast, we knew what we were getting ourselves into. Like I said, a lot of our topics are pretty controversial. This one really isn't, you know, it's just more like, you know, giving people knowledge. But when I started doing this, my brother was like, bro, like, are you trying to fucking get fired or something? You know, like, what, what, mm. what's going on? You know, like, why, why are you doing this shit? You know, and and my response to that was I was just tired of fucking seeing all these narratives that are really just keeping us crippled. And, you know, we're so focused mm. on the negative shit that it doesn't allow us to focus on things that could actually help us out. Right. So uh, that that's the risk that I'm taking, you know, and especially working, you know, in a nonprofit, you know, where the majority of my my. Uh, you know, fellow workers are liberal or left-leaning, you know what I mean? Like, mm. um, you know, like it's, it's, it's a risk that I'm willing to take though. I mean, cause uh, I'm not somebody who's going to keep things to themselves. You know what I mean? So that, that's, that's what I'm going to say. So last words for you, seven, two, five. Basically kind of like what Brown touched on, like if you also have, if you're going to be take, if you're going to take any type of risk, uh, you gotta, you gotta be able to, before you take the risk, you gotta be able to ask yourself and be honest with yourself. Are you willing to be okay with the worst, with the worst outcome? You know, because anybody can take a risk, you know, and anybody mm -hmm. can take any kind of risk, but are you willing to, to deal with the outcome if it turns out horribly, you know? And if the answer is no, then that risk is not, you know, it's not worth for you. Now, as far as uh, as far as uh, sports betting, if anybody is interested in getting into sports betting, uh, the only advice I'm going to give you is that you know you are going to have to learn how to control your emotions because uh, 
once emotion starts start making the bets and it's not your brain, then you know you lost it already. You're you're not you're not playing the game anymore. The game is playing you. So that's one thing that you're gonna have to be, you're gonna have to master the uh, control of emotions, and you're gonna have to grind away. Like it's not you don't just shit winners out of bed. You know, like out of your ass. Like they, they don't just you know you don't just wake up one day and say, oh yeah, you know the the winner came from the sky. Like, <laughs> it can happen for a week. It might even happen for a month. And you might, you know, you might be thinking you're untouchable. And then before you know it, you, you can't hit anything. You know, you go cold as ice. And, and if you can't stomach getting smoked, you know, that, that's what's going to separate you from, from being able to, to chip away in the long term. Because at the end of the day, you know, short-term success comes and goes. And anybody can have it. You can have a good run. You know, you can have a good run. But when things start falling apart, you know, how are you going to react? And my favorite line is from Mike Tyson when he says, everybody has a plan so they get punched in the face. <laughs> yeah. You know, everybody has a plan, you know, so they, so they get hit. So it's kind of like, well, how do, you, how do you make adjustments? And you're always going to have to make adjustments, whether you're taking a risk in music, whether you're taking a risk in sports betting or even in your education path, you know, maybe you want to change your, your, your major. You know, maybe you don't yeah. want to do that anymore. Yeah. And you're going to have to add two years to your schooling. There's nothing wrong with that. You know, there, there's nothing wrong with, with saying I was wrong. You know, if anything, that's probably the best thing. And I, we shouldn't frown upon failure, too. You know, it, it, when we fail, we learn. And we're willing to learn. When we win, we don't learn anything because we feel like we did it right. Why, why would you check what you did when you won? You know, I'm doing it right. So, I, I, you know, I, I feel on top of the world. But. You, you, even you know we gotta you gotta accept failure you gotta you gotta embrace it and you gotta be willing to learn and like you said you gotta have discipline you gotta have accountability whether it be sports betting or any career choice any risk you're willing to take and uh yeah it was good to be on it was good to be on on the episode it was fun having a conversation uh the questions were pretty good uh that's that's all for me oh the last thing i do want to say though since it is rasistan where can you follow you what can they follow you on Instagram or I'm not really concerned about that, but, <laughs> but you guys, you know, since it is a, it's a podcast, you know, make sure to follow up Norteñas con Sax. Uh, Norteñas con Sax. That's my cousin's uh, Instagram. He does a lot of promotions for, uh, for like Spanish music. I believe it's Norteñas. Yeah. Well, obviously that's what it is. I mean, that's what it's called, but um, he does a lot of promos for them. I know, I know uh, he does a lot of Photoshopping. He can do flyers and stuff like that. So if you guys have any... How do you spell that last word? Uh, it's uh, S-A-X. S-A-X. Oh, yeah, like a, con sax. Con yeah. sax. Oh, okay, okay. Like saxophone. So Norteñas, con sax. Obviously, there's no ñ in, uh, in, on Instagram, but... Yeah, yeah, You know, that, that's what it is. You can find him there. Uh, he, you know, he, he's he's got, you know, a good amount of followers, but... Yeah, it'd be, it'd be nice to add some more on there, you know. Mm, yeah, as far as far as uh, myself, you can find me at uh, Rasa Stan Podcast. Uh, that's one, and also if you want to follow my personal profile, it's Flow DCM. Um, Brown, you got a couple of uh, platforms. You know, you want to you want to promote your stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> my artist page is Brown underscore nine S I X six, and uh, my hip hop spot podcast um it's on ig 
YouTube. Mm-hmm. And uh, pretty much it right now that I want to push right now. And, uh, yeah. When the, yeah, pretty much it. I do have one, I do have one question for Brown. When, when is your music video going to release? Oh, at the end of July. In the uh, it might be delayed a bit for people that want to watch it. We're gonna go the route because we're gonna be entering the film. I mean, the music video into film festivals, and yes. they don't allow you to publicize it. You know, so we're gonna have a Vimo account uh, and just share the video privately to people that want to watch it oh, because we're not gonna be able to publicize it until after the film festival oh, is done. You know, so we're gonna we're gonna go that route first. You know, but yeah. Sure. I do want to give a shout out to Carmelisto Clothing. I'm rocking the brand. Mm-hmm. You know, they wanted to hook it up for free, but I was like, nah, I gotta support them. You know what I mean? So they're also on Instagram. Check them out. You know, uh, they make some good, some good clothes. But on that note, Rasta Stand Podcast. Take a stand. Take a stand to Please. understand Rasta.